to Hebrews 11, and we will look at, again, that great chapter about those who trusted in the Lord their God, and who did exploits for Him, and who bore many things for His sake. We've been, at, we've been in Hebrews 11 for a while, working through these most excellent models of faith that, that God has given to us there, that He has mentioned to us, that are recorded, whose lives are, and examples are recorded in the Old Testament. Last week it was the example of Rahab in verse 31. With verse 32, there's a bit of a transition as the writer begins to wrap things up and no longer going through the individual accounts as he had before, but clustering many together. He's given us lots of specific examples but now he's reached the point where he says, it's enough. What more can I say? You know, he expresses that it would go beyond his purpose for write, in writing this epistle to, to go through the many other examples that he might go through. He's, there, there's many, not just examples, but many important examples, but his purpose isn't to go through every single one of them. It's to give us a good uh, sampling of them that we might learn to trust in the Lord as they did. I'll go right to our scripture reading today. I'll read to the end of the chapter, but in the sermon, I'm going to, I will be giving you an overview of verse 32 to the end of the chapter, but then we will go out to the overview, then we'll go back and focus on the first part, 32 through 35a, and then, uh, Lord willing, next week, we'll move on to the, to the second part. You'll see those two parts. I'll be setting them out when we do the, the overview in a minute. But uh, this is the Word of God, Hebrews 11, 32 through 40. So listen to it with reverence because it is the very Word of God. And uh, you, you might notice as well as we read this passage, this is a very beautiful passage. I mean, it is lovely in, it, in the way that it expresses the faith of our fathers, the, the Old Testament fathers of our faith. It, it lays everything out in a way that is, is splendid and, and just wonderfully descriptive and, and poetic almost. It's just, it, it, it's talking about these dear brothers that live before us faithfully for the Lord, caring for His people, loving our Lord Jesus. So listen as I read it to you. Hebrews eleven thirty two 32 through 40. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. 
And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Amen. Blessed be the Lord our God for His holy word that He has given us. Let's cherish these things that He has given us as we now examine them and see how do they apply to us as His people today. The writer wraps things up in a way that is to prepare for the specific applications that he wants to make to the Hebrews. And of course, those applications come to us as well. But to the Hebrews in their particular circumstances, these Hebrew Christians that he is writing to who had trusted in the Lord in a nation that the Messiah was sent to, but that had rejected him by and large. They were among the minority by far who had trusted in Him and were suffering under persecution. Overall then, to them and to us, He is summarizing here the power or efficacy of faith. The, how faith works powerfully. It's efficacy. It gets things. It accomplishes things. He's doing this for their encouragement and for our encouragement to believe They were going through these difficult times and in chapter 12 and 13, he's going to show them and encourage them and exhort them to keep on going on for the Lord by faith. So he's laying a foundation for the great exhortation that's going to come in the chapters that follow. Their people had rejected the Messiah and were quite opposed to those, anyone of their own, especially that had professed him. Families were divided, as Jesus said they would be, because of this persecution. That's a very difficult thing. Your mother and father, perhaps, that you love, or your child, or whatever. There were divisions that occurred from those that believed and those that didn't. There was severe persecution. They were often deprived of their incomes, of their, uh, their work, their businesses. They were sometimes even uh, arrested, put in prison, or even murdered. We think of the Apostle Paul who had it in both sides. He was one of the persecutors at first, thinking that this was a a heresy and a blight. And he opposed believers. He said he was a murderer and an insolent man. And then the Lord Jesus saved him. And then he was one who everywhere he went was persecuted, who at multiple times was stoned and was beaten with rods and all sorts of different things that he had to endure for our Lord. So they were pressured. The Hebrew people at this time were pressured to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. To not speak of their faith in Him. To hide their faith. And to perhaps pretend like they were not really trusting in Him following their Jewish rituals and ceremonies. So he is saying to them, as he writes to them here, look at what faith can do. That's why he's been giving them and us all of these examples of those who live by faith in the Old Covenant. Faith is very powerful. Jesus tells us that just a little faith can move mountains. Of course, it is not really faith that does anything on its own. The world sometimes looks at how faith can help us keep going. And if we believe, for example, that we will be successful or if we believe that we will do well. And it is true. 
And our faith as Christians does help in that way. When you know that God has the end in hand and that everything is going, it gives you a motivation to, to go on. And that, it, that is a true thing. The world has latched on to that and they therefore might be more successful in business or whatever because they, have a, they, they trust that things are going to go well. They have faith that things are going to, going to work out. But it, it does help to do more and to do it better. But uh, the faith that is commended here is faith in the Lord. And it is much more mighty than just positive thinking kind of faith. The faith that the Bible talks about is faith in the mighty one. And it is mighty not because of itself, but because it lays hold of him who is mighty. That's what makes faith able to do all of these things because it looks to God to do for it what in its weakness it cannot do. It trusts in the Lord instead of in self. The Bible actually warns against even an arrogant attitude that says, in business or something, we're going to go into this city and we're going to make a great profit there. It says you cannot say that. You say if the Lord wills, we will do that. And if the Lord is not necessarily promised that you will be greatly successful in your business, He's promised to be with you whether you're successful or not. But He may send you through trials. That is the way our Lord works. So the faith that is commended here is faith in the Lord. Faith in the Hebrews 11 is faith in God. And in his son, Jesus Christ. What has the writer to the Hebrews labored to do in the first ten chapters of Hebrews? He has labored to set forth Christ as the object of our faith. The one who came to purge us, he says right from the beginning, who purged us from our sins. The one who went to the cross in order to do that. He shows how he is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The one who never dies. The one who ever lives to make intercession for us. The one who made a sacrifice that fully atones for our sin. He offered the sacrifice as the priest and he was the sacrifice. And that sacrifice fully reconciles us to God when we trust in him. This is the faith that is commended. Faith in God. Faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the faith that can move mountains. Faith is mighty because it lays hold of the Almighty and the promises that He has given to us. The verses we read are about the power and the efficacy of faith. The verses that we read just now. Notice how there is a progression from what faith enables us to do. The, the marvelous thing, it gives us power way beyond what we're able to do. It enables us to do things we could never do. It progresses from that to how faith enables us to endure very difficult things, such as we are called to endure very often in this world, such as the Hebrews were having to deal with. It's very apparent on the face of this text. Let's just look at it again. Verses 33 through 35a speak of the wonders that God does through faith. For his people who believe. For through faith they subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead raised to life. And then there's the transition to the faith 
that enables us to endure. Verse 35b through 38 speaks of the endurance that God gives. And others were tortured. See, they didn't triumph over their enemies. They were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and in caves of the earth. So you see the contrast. There's the, one that, uh, the ones that were, for example, thrown into a fiery furnace. And the flames did not hurt them. They triumphed over their, their enemies were humbled and brought down. Others were thrown into the fire and burned to death. But they endured, giving glory to God. And it shows that there are these two things. And, and they both go together. The Bible doesn't pretend that everything's going to be where the flames never hurt you. They never hurt you fully, eternally, because there's a resurrection and we go to be with God. But it's in reference to this world. There are times when we're on top of our enemies and times when, as far as the world is concerned, they're on top of us. And so we need to recognize this. Ultimately, they're never on top of the Lord. He's working out His plans. But you understand what I'm saying. There's times when everybody is fearing the Lord in our land and wanting to follow His ways. We don't, haven't had that in a really long time. <laughs> There's other times when uh, people are opposing Him and no one wants to have anything to do with the Lord and they oppress and oppose those who are following Him. So this is a strong contrast. Sometimes the Lord en enables His people to conquer their enemies. At other times, He enables them to suffer the terrible things that those enemies can throw at us. It all depends on His purpose at the time and how He wants to use us to work in our lives. How He wants to make Himself known through our lives. By enabling us to triumph, He shows that He is Lord of all like he did with Egypt, when Egypt was completely dominated by these people that were slaves, had no power, and Egypt fell under them, and they, they were able to, to go free from their hand. But then, by enabling us to endure suffering, he shows the unyielding love of his people, that they're willing to die and be tortured for his sake. He uses both of these to reach the lost. Many people are saved when they see Christians being killed and persecuted, it's happening today in the world. More people are probably being saved by, in seeing that than there are people when Christians are dominant and uh, when God gives them the victory in this world. By triumph, though, he encourages us also of our coming crown. And by suffering, he deepens our devotion and our sense of his transforming grace in our lives that enables us to endure in the difficult time. Both have their use, and we do well to learn from one as well as the other, as God does whatever He wishes to do by His sovereign hand. Both draw us to Him, and both strengthen us and enlarge our hope in Him, and both testify to the world of God's power and faithfulness and His commitment to His people. Here's what a couple of my favorite authors have said about this contrast. John Brown says of this passage, Generally, it is an illustration of the power of faith. But the power of faith is viewed in two aspects. Its power to enable men to do what otherwise they could not have done. And its power to enable men to suffer what otherwise they could not have suffered. 
John Owen says, Faith will do an effect, or accomplish, bring about, faith will do an effect great things of all sorts when we are called unto them. It will also enable us to suffer the greatest, hardest, and most terrible things which our nature can be exposed unto. And then Owen adds, he closes, the author of Hebrews, closes with instances of the latter sort because that was what the Hebrews had to endure. Okay, so he gives us the triumphing kind of faith first, and then the enduring kind of faith second, because that was what pertained to the Hebrews, and that's what he's getting ready to talk about. So that brings us to that point. The writer moves from what faith enables us to do to what it enables us to endure to prepare the way for chapter 12 and 13, where he will speak of enduring hard things by faith. So I already mentioned the Hebrews were dealing with that. Like us, they needed to be reminded first that what the Hebrew, they need to be reminded that faith can enable us to do wonders. We need to be reminded when we are called to suffer that nothing is too hard for the Lord, that He can make the flames not hurt us. He can cause us to, to be victorious over our enemies in this world. Most of the time, He is not performing wonders like the ones that are described, though, in verses 32 through 35a. It's only a few of His people that he raised up. It's only a few times that he does things like open the Red Sea to demonstrate his great power or close the mouth of lions when his people are thrown to the lions. Many Christians were eaten by lions or to subdue kingdoms for his name. Those things testify to us of his power, but we are wrong if we expect him to do those things all the time. Again, like us, the Hebrews needed to remember that by faith we can move mountains They needed to have that. Yes, God can do whatever He wishes. He can move mountains if He wishes. But even more, they needed to be reminded that faith can enable us to endure when we are being trampled by the world. When we must be tortured and burned and killed without deliverance in this world. Not accepting deliverance. When we must be mocked and put in prison until we rot. When we must be driven to wander in deserts, to hide in dens and caves. Again, it's not always, not usually that extreme for God's people. But there are times when it is. We have everything in between. We have times and seasons of great victory when we're overcoming and people are being subdued to Christ, brought into His kingdom. We have other times when we're being trampled and driven down, yet continuing to glory in the Lord. There was more, and again, the second is more the situation that the Hebrews were facing. Yes, the kingdom of God was advancing powerfully among the nations, but it was a very slow progress for these people. They were still being greatly persecuted if they did not bow to Caesar. Of course, that developed as uh, as history unfolded. They were greatly persecuted. They they would see, imagine having some some of our members taken off and delivered over to be burned at the stake or to to be given to lions. These were difficult things that they were facing and that they had to endure. So you see how God has, or or how uh, the Holy Spirit has, has set up this passage. It all depends on whatever our wise God calls us to do. He calls us to do great things, but ordinarily not what we could call great wonders. Not usually shutting the mouths of lions and such things. He calls us to bear the cross in the world world like His Son did. Ordinarily, 
in our daily life, we have to bear a cross. It's not ordinarily the kind of thing where we're actually killed and, and, uh, or tortured or that, that sort of thing. But think of the people, for example, who spent their whole life in Egypt when they were slaves. It was an everyday thing. It was an ongoing thing. Or those who are in places of ungodliness where the, the Lord is not respected. So I hope that that gives you a good overview of this passage. For the rest of our time today, I want to look at the first part, what faith enables us to do. Then next week, Lord willing, we will look at what faith enables us to bear. So let's begin by looking at how faith enabled men of old to triumph over their enemies. Remember, we look at these examples to encourage us about the power and efficacy of faith that is powerful for us, just as powerful as it was for these when we trust in the Lord. So first, there are the names given of a whole bunch more people who did exploits for God. Gideon, who is famous for conquering the Midianites who opposed Israel for seven years. There were marauders that would come through. There were wandering people. They, They had a bunch of uh, huge, huge herds and livestock of livestock and such, and they would come through with all their animals and uh, harvest time or just before the har- and they would they would just destroy all the crops. Their animals would come through and clean everything out, and they would go on by and they would take things that they wanted as they came through. Even some of the animals of the people. God called Gideon to go against this huge mass of people, the Midianites. With 300 men. And by faith, Gideon overcame. Barak is mentioned next. He was that timid commander who received a prophecy through the prophetess Deborah to go against King Jabin with his 900 iron chariots and to deliver Israel. By faith, God enabled Barak to be victorious. Samson was the man that God made strong Until because of Samson's disobedience, his strength was taken from him because it was only by God's enabling that he was so strong. And he was taken into uh, bondage by the Philistines, who are the, the ones that were oppressing Israel at that time. He was made a prisoner of them and they put out his eyes. But by faith, Samson, when he was brought into the temple of Dagon as a prisoner to entertain them, with his, his eyes were poked out, he, he asked a lad to show him where the, the primary supports in the center of the temple were. And he went there and by faith called on the name of the Lord to give him his strength again and was able to push down those pillars so that the whole house came down. And all of the, ones, all of the Philistines that were gathered there to worship Dagon at that festival perished in the destruction of that, that great temple. He did it by faith. Jephthah was another one of the judges who by faith freed Israel from oppression by another enemy nation, the the people of Ammon. You see, they were taken into these nations because of their sin. And uh, then God would raise up someone who by faith would deliver them. He called on God and made a foolish vow when the people asked him to deliver them. You'll have to read about that yourself. And the Lord gave him victory despite his foolish vow because it was a vow of faith. He knew that only God could deliver him, and God did deliver him. 
David is mentioned next. A man with so many victories from faith that we couldn't possibly name them. But one that stands out to everyone's mind perhaps is the conflict that he had with the great Philistine giant Goliath. And how as a young man, he by faith brought him down with only a slingshot. Samuel is mentioned next. Samuel was a remarkable leader at the time when Israel was very discouraged because of their sin. And Samuel, by God's grace and through faith, was able to keep those people going for the Lord, to get them to fear God again, because God had brought them very low. And he was a remarkable man that that was able to keep the nation together and to bring them back to focus on the Lord. The prophets, prophets in general are mentioned. So many stories could be told. Besides those who did the exploits, a list of exploits that were done is given. That by faith they subdued kingdoms. Think of how Isaiah the prophet and King Hezekiah, when the Assyrians, the mighty Assyrian army, they had swept through the, the, the regions all around them and had destroyed nations that were much greater than what Jerusalem was at that time. In fact, they had wiped out most of Judah. Only Jerusalem still remained. And Isaiah the prophet received prophecy from God that Jerusalem would not fall. And so the Assyrians gathered around with their huge army. And overnight, then the angel of the Lord destroyed, I think it was 180,000, 185,000 soldiers from the Assyrian army. And they went home. (laughs) The kingdom was subdued by faith in God. Surely it was a, a glorious thing. That by faith they worked righteousness. What about Jonah, who, who went to the city of Nineveh knowing that God would be merciful to them if they repented and didn't want to go, but went almost forced to do so, but knowing how God works, and by faith they repented. There was a righteousness. It was a temporal righteousness, but it was a righteousness. And what about Haggai the prophet, who, who saw God's people building their own houses when they should have been building the temple? and who brought righteousness to them by preaching to them so that they repented and they went and did the work of God. By faith, they obtained promises. Elijah, for example, prophesied that during a great famine that the windows of heaven would be open and that the people would feed when it looked like it was, there was no way that it would be possible and it occurred. You have to read about that one too. By faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. Who else but Daniel? comes to mind there, thrown into the lion's den for praying to his God. And God closed the mouths of the lions and Daniel was set free. By faith, his friends, Daniel's friends in exile, quenched the violence of fire. Very, very great language that's used there. It doesn't say they quenched the fire because they didn't. The flames didn't go and just go down. They quenched the violence of fire. The flames did not hurt them. They, were, they went into the flames, all of them. The flames were very hot and destroyed others, but they did not harm them, didn't even burn their, their hair. Nothing, nothing. Their clothes didn't even smell of smoke because God did, you see, what no one could do. By faith, they quenched the flames. By faith, uh, they, they escaped the edge of the sword, different ones. We might think of Elisha when they tried to arrest him. And could not, or I mean Elijah, uh, Elijah, because uh, he, called, he called down fire from heaven. 
and uh, 50 men came three times, and the third time <laughs> they pled for mercy, and um, they, they received mercy. By faith they were made strong in weakness. We think of David, who being pursued by Saul at one point was discouraged and ready to give up. And what are we told? That he strengthened himself in the Lord. Have you ever done that? <laughs> if you're a Christian very long, you've had to do that. You get discouraged, you get beat down, and by faith, you're made strong. By faith, by coming to him and crying out to him, you strengthen yourself in the Lord. By faith, they became valiant in battle. Think of Saul's son, Jonathan, who with his armor bearer turned the battle against the Philistines. Just the two of them against a whole host of the Philistines completely reversed the battle so that the Philistines were no longer dominating but fleeing away. By faith, women received their dead back to life. Elijah raised the widow's son at Zarephath who fed him and Elisha restored the life of the Shunammite's son. Both died both were raised. What does all this mean for us? Does this mean that we're lacking in faith if we're not doing wonders like those that we have just read about? Does the Lord show us these things to rebuke us for our lack of faith? Surely a lack of faith on the part of a nation like our own does indeed bring us down and make us weak. Many times the people began to cry out to the Lord for deliverance when they had rebelled against Him, and He raised them up again in a marvelous and wonderful way. He chastened them because of their disobedience. And then when they repented and called on his name, he heard their cry. So, yes, it does have a kind of a rebuke to us, but not in the way that we might think. No, many of the most faithful prophets and kings did not see triumph. Ezekiel and Jeremiah, for example, promised, prophesied of deliverances that were in the future to them and their generation but to their own people, they prophesied exile and destruction, that they would be brought into bondage. And it was so because that was what God was doing at that time. We have to wait on the Lord's time. He delivers us when He chooses. And so faith doesn't mean that we can claim whatever we want and that it will be so. It doesn't mean that if you were just to pray enough right now, then, then maybe our, things would turn around in our nation. It does mean that we should pray for God's mercy. And it does mean that if His people call on His name and collectively, then He may indeed turn us. But there are many who pray for many, many years. Even our Lord Jesus, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets, He lamented because they did not turn to Him when He came. We have to wait on the Lord's time. Not only that, but these heroes that we read about were men that were especially called to raise and raised up by God to serve him in these ways. We're not given these examples to say that all of us should be doing what they did, what they were called to do. That in other words, you should be going and closing the mouths of lions and doing it. That should be going on every day in your life. It didn't go on every day in their life. These things are set to us to show us that nothing is impossible for the Lord. No circumstances are too difficult. They're to show us that our God is able to work wonders in our behalf. So we need to receive them for what they are. If these men that are listed here and these women could do these great wonders to which God called them by faith, can we not do 
the ordinary things that He has called us to do by faith. If they could do those things, can you not do what you're called to do every day by the mighty hand and the grace of God? What has He given us to do by faith? What do we know that He's given us to do? The things that He tells us to do in His Word. We are able to do them by His mighty hand of faith. He has called us, first and foremost, to be saved. How? By faith. We're sinners. We can't possibly atone for our sin. We have to rely on what God did through His Son, Jesus Christ. We can't possibly take our stony heart and make it responsive to God. We have to look to the Lord to pour out His Holy Spirit upon us and to transform us. You can't save yourself. You can only do it by faith. And that is the mightiest thing of all. That God can take someone who is hopelessly in sin and lost and undone, and He can redeem them and bring them to Himself so that they can have communion and fellowship with Him. That is the first and foremost act of faith. That is what Hebrews sets forth to us, laboring to present to us our Lord Jesus Christ and all of His saving work. I, I commend to you again the first ten chapters that we went through that lay out our Lord Jesus Christ for us. Now, that's the, that's the fundamental and first thing. But there are many other things. He has called us, for example, to refrain and to war against worldly lust that war against our soul. Can you do that by faith? Or are you a, a victim to those lusts that you, that you fight against? The Lord is able to deliver us. Stop making excuses and indulging yourself. That's the problem. You need to trust in God. He calls us to be anxious for nothing, to stop worrying. Faith laid hold of the Lord and made the sun stand still. Can it not help you not to worry? Can God not deliver you from that? We're called to trust in the Lord and to lean not on our own understanding. Can we do that when we have something hard from the Lord? Something that is difficult for us? Something that stretches us? By faith we can. He calls us to train up our children in the Lord. Can we teach our children to live in fellowship with God? Do we have the strength to do that? No, we do not. We do that only by faith. Has God made promises about them? He has. We, we believe those promises by faith. And somewhat, and somewhat related, I'm called to rebuke my brother when he sins. The Lord says I'm to love my neighbor and to rebuke him when he sins. Is that a hard thing to do? It's a hard thing to do. Can you do it in your own strength? No, you can't do it. Can you do it by faith? By God's enablement? You can. I am commanded to do my work heartily as if I were doing it for the Lord because I am doing it for the Lord. Only by faith is that possible. Only by looking to Him. I'm called to be content with whatever I have. There is no place for envy and for complaining when I am poor, when I am infirm, or when I'm feeling my age, or whatever it might be, by faith I can be thankful as I trust in the Lord. I am indeed called to give thanks in all things. By faith I can give thanks in all things. I am to be angry and sin not. I am to use my anger in an appropriate way that brings glory to God rather than in a way that's destructive and selfish. By faith. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave, themselves, gave, gave Himself for her. 
Husbands are to love their wives like that. Can any man do that? Only through faith. I am called to submit to those who have authority over me. By faith, I can do that without fear and cheerfully. Without faith, I can't do it. Called to forgive others and not to be bitter against them. By faith, I can replace bitterness with delight in God and His sovereignty. I'm called to be a faithful example and witness for Jesus Christ. To be, do my part in leading others to faith. By faith, I can be a saver of life unto life to those who believe and are perishing. I mean, I mean, to those who believe and are being saved. And a saver of death unto death to those who are perishing. Related to that, I am, not to let the beauty, I am to let the beauty of the Lord be seen upon me. Can I do that? Only by His grace through faith. By faith, I am to confess Christ instead of being ashamed of Him in a world that opposes Him. Is that easy to do? I can only do that by faith. By faith, I can fear God instead of fearing man. By faith, I can glorify God in my eating and drinking. Actually doing even my eating and drinking and everything that I do for Him. To please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him in any of those things. Even my eating and drinking, plowing in my fields is an abomination to the Lord if I do not have faith. God calls me to sit at the gates of wisdom each day. By faith, I can gather my family and I can come to Him to, to learn of Him and to, to grow. I can hear His voice. It's not just coming to Him to, to, to do devotions. It's coming to hear His voice. Only by faith can I hear His voice. Anyone can bring their body about to, to come and, and, and read, God, read and go through the motion of reading the Bible, but only by faith can I hear the voice of God with the authority with which He speaks. I'm called to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Only by leaning on Him can I do that. Called to bring my tithes to God and give alms to the poor by faith. God calls me to repent of my sin that I may always live in fellowship with Him instead of having sin hanging on me and hindering me in my walk with Him. Only by faith can I, re, re, can I continue in that way. He calls me to pray without ceasing. By faith I can, rather than giving up and losing hope, I can continue to call on the Lord. He calls me to love my neighbors, myself, and to love my enemies. Only by faith. I am to boast in the Lord and not in myself. Only by faith. I always, by nature, have a tendency to boast in myself. But if I trust in the Lord, He will enable me to boast in Him. I'm called not to be weary in well-doing. We get tired. We get weary in service to God. He, he is able to strengthen us. We saw how David was strengthened. But what does faith have to do with all of these things? Like, I could have given you... I gave you enough for, to fill an alphabet. I could have given you that many more. Perhaps you can think of some things yourself when you go home. But what does faith have to do with all of these things? How does faith actually help? Faith recognizes the authority of God and of His Word. In other words, faith simply believes that God is God. That He has all authority in heaven and earth. That He is the judge of all. It believes that He really is the judge of all. That compared to Him, men are nothing. Faith sees that he alone has a right to your unquestioned obedience. No human does. God alone has a right to your unquestioned obedience. It believes that God is God. Faith believes that He sees us, that He is holy, and that He does not tolerate sin. 
And so when God speaks such things as those 26 things that I just mentioned, tells us to repent, tells us to be saved, tells us to uh, war against our lust, then that comes to you with all the authority of God. It's not something that you can go, oh, well, I, don't, I don't know about. It's, it's God's authority. It's the Word of God. Faith believes that it is God who speaks, and it responds to it as God's Word. Faith, another way it helps, faith believes that the Lord will help us, and it actively pleads with Him for help. It believes that the Holy Spirit is the only one who can change this old wicked, stubborn, stony heart. I can't do it myself. I'm still laboring with, with the sin that remains in me. Paul said, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he said, I thank the Lord through Christ Jesus. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit. This is what we need to do. It believes that Christ is alive and that He is reigning and interceding. It believes that. That He knows me. He knows my struggles and He is ready to help me if I call on Him. He is there living and interceding every day for us as our priest. He, when we look to do what is according to His will, we will have His help. It is not even a, a promise of the. Is it not even a promise of His covenant that He will put His Spirit in our heart so that we will delight in His law and obey Him? It is. Indeed, faith believes that God is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So, of course, if you believe that, you're going to seek Him, right? If you don't believe that, you're not going to seek Him for help. But if you believe that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him, seek Him you will do. And then a third thing, faith believes that in Christ we're fully forgiven and fully justified in God's sight. This enables us to live always in sweet communion with God by faith. You can't do it unless you believe that He is a God who forgives sin. Faith knows that Christ came and died on the cross, taking our punishment in order that we might walk with God. That by Him, by faith in Him, we're cleansed from our sins. Now, therefore, when you have a right relationship with God, you can walk with Him. Remember Enoch? Like Enoch, we're able to walk with God every day and to do those things that we're called to do every day. Because whatever we may have done the day before, whatever sins we may have committed, we have forgiveness with Christ when we come to Him. And therefore, we can walk with God and please Him today. It doesn't matter about the past. Knowing and believing that we are forgiven enables us to know that the Lord is pleased with us and also highly pleased with us. He delights in the fruit that you bear. He delights in the progress that you make for Him. Do you believe that? Or do you think it doesn't really matter too much whether I grow or what I do? It matters very much. Faith, believing that we are forgiven, is able to enjoy the Lord and know that He is pleased. He not only loves us with that unconditional love of His that took us in, but now He loves us as we are becoming what actually pleases with Him. In other words, unconditional love says, you're, you're a terrible mess, you're an abomination, you're a reproach, and I love you anyway. And he reaches out to gather us in. But then when we begin to grow, he actually delights in our fruit. He actually delights in what we're doing. It is actually pleasing to him. And he knows that potentially he's going to make us perfect in his own eyes. 
That is motivating people of God. That, that enables us to, to walk with Him and to trust in Him. He loves what we are becoming as we walk with Him. That puts a song in our heart and a spring in our step. Let us pray then in faith that by faith we will be able to serve God acceptably. To do wondrous things. Not things that are like quenching fires and all these things, but everyday things. Living and responding to Him. By faith. Each day. Let's do it. Please stand and let's call on His name. O Lord our God, we come to You, O Lord, and we thank You for what You have done for us through our Lord Jesus Christ by Your Spirit and what You have called us to do by Your grace, by Your Son, by Your Spirit. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we would come to You with great eagerness. That we would see the place of faith. That we would believe that You are. That You are God. That You are the only God. And that You are a rewarder of those that diligently seek You. That You are the one who has all authority. And who is the judge of all the earth. And that You're the one who saves to the uttermost those who come to You through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that You would give us a new life of faith, that we would be ever-growing in this faith. Oh, Lord, we come short. There are many sins that are in our lives. Who will deliver us from this body of death? You will, oh, Lord. You will not fail. You will accomplish everything that You have promised concerning us. And we pray, Lord, that we would diligently seek You as we wend our way through this world. You are faithful, O Lord, and You will not fail. We know, Lord, as we saw today, that You will enable us to live for You, to triumph over our, our sin and our rebellion for Your name. We also know, Lord, that You will enable us to endure when the world comes at us, when Satan comes at us, when we seek to beat us down. We look forward to looking at that next week. And we pray, Lord, that You would bless us as we consider these things and that we would indeed live by faith. Oh Lord, thank you that this is even something that is possible. It's something that you worked out, something that you brought about to enable those who are lost and undone to be restored to our God and to have sweet communion with you. May we cherish that communion. May we have it by faith. May we have that sweet communion with you and may we cherish it and keep it and not desire anything to get in the way between us and God. And we pray that we would bring our children into that sweet communion every day, that we would help them to walk in that way all the days of their life. Father, that we would do it and that we would help them to do it. We thank you, O Lord, for the grace that you give us. We need your help, Lord. Our eyes are upon you by faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.